This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards with you at the picnic table on a beautiful sunny Friday morning. You may hear some pigs in the background. You may hear a rooster flapping his wings. Looks like looks like he's getting ready to crow, but uh, now maybe he'll wander away. Uh, and you may hear some dogs barking in the background as well. It's a very noisy 40 acres this week. I got to uh, try to find a, a quieter spot to do the podcast. Um, Miss E may be joining us a little bit later on, but uh, right now she is sleeping and resting uh, here at home. Which is uh, very good news. Uh, one of many bits of good news that we have received over the past week or so. Um, first and foremost, again, thank you for all of the emails, all of the messages, all of the uh, the contact to let us know that you're thinking about us and that you care. Uh, I cannot tell you how uh, often this week I have uh, shared your emails with Miss E. There's one of our sad little crows from our rooster who uh, is just learning. Hopefully he gets better with that, by the way, because that's that's a really, that's a lame crow. Anyway, I cannot tell you how often I have been able to share your emails uh, with Missy and say, hey, look, here's... This is going to happen all episode, isn't it? Uh, here's you know what uh, what 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 someone else has gone through, and here's you know someone who's wishing you well. Um, it has made a huge difference, I think, uh, just in terms of both Miss E's outlook. I can tell you personally, it has made a huge difference for me, uh, knowing that. Um, that, that you're out there and that uh, and that you care and that you're sending along your thoughts and your prayers. It has been a a big relief and a big comfort uh, over the past week or so. Uh, so when we last left, it was the night before the surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day we woke up, uh, we had to be at the hospital at 11. The surgery had been pushed back. So uh, we got over there a little bit early, got over there about 1030 and we're told, oh, sorry, you don't really need to be here until noon. Oh, okay. So we uh, we ran a couple of errands, <laughs> just like mundane stuff. Um, then we went back to the hospital at noon. They took her... Uh, 
um, through the processing. It was it was really quick. I'm just going to keep talking through the uh, crows here. Um, it was very fast when they when they ended up taking her to uh, the pre-op room. But we were together. We were together, and all of a sudden, uh, we got off an elevator, and it's okay, sir. You got to go this way, and uh, Missy, you're going this way with me. Um, so there really wasn't a whole lot of time to be scared together. We got to be scared separately. Um, I go to the hospital waiting room, uh, one of the many waiting rooms there, and I got to say it was really cool. Uh, this is, I guess, one of the benefits of modern technology. Uh, I was able to track my wife's progress throughout the entire surgery. From I could, I could look at a monitor, and I could monitor based on her patient number and see, okay, she's still in pre-op. Okay, now she's in the operating room. Okay, now she's in post-op. In addition to that, I got phone calls uh, from the operating theater, uh, from one of the nurses who would call and give me updates and say, okay, the surgery's just starting. Um, I got probably three phone calls during the surgery of everything's going fine, here's where we are. I This is my first experience with, with major surgery in a hospital like that, so maybe this is been the status quo for some time but I gotta say um, that it was a, it was a huge relief to just not be in the dark and to kind of know what's going on so uh, the surgery doesn't start until later in the afternoon there were a couple of emergency surgeries that uh, that ended up taking precedent and it was probably close to seven o'clock at night before Missy uh, got out of surgery and was taken up to uh, to ICU. Um, the uh, surgeon came in and we talked, and he said, "You know," he said, "I'm still not sure what it is." He said, "Well, we'll get pathology back next week." He said, "I'm going to fight to get it back early," and he did, and he was successful. Um, he said, "I'm just not really sure what uh, what it is." He said, "It, it, it he said it was big." Um, and he said, I'm, I said, it seems like I've seen something like this before, but I just, I don't know. And he's, he's been a surgeon for about 20 years, so I'm sure he's seen a lot. Uh, but this one was just sort of unusual to him. He, uh, he, he said he was a little concerned about the lymph nodes. They, they didn't look completely healthy. Um, and so he was a little concerned about that. I then, too, was a little concerned about that. But, uh, but he said, we took all of the, uh, the affected lymph nodes out, and, uh, and they'll be tested as well. So, um, great physician, by the way. Uh, we I really cannot say enough about um, Lynchburg General Hospital and all of the people that work there. They, they just did a fantastic job with Missy. E. So, uh, I was able to go to her room shortly thereafter, and she was definitely uh, doped up and definitely in a lot of pain. Uh, more from her neck, like where they had to position her during the surgery than the actual site of the incision and uh, in any chest pain. And, uh, and it was a couple, it was a, a pretty long weekend for her. Um, every day there was noticeable improvement, but it, you know, she started from a, a, a pretty rough spot in terms of her pain and mobility. Um, so it was a, a rough couple of days. Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday of this week. <laughs> the days have all sort of run together at this point. Um, Tuesday of this week, uh, late afternoon of Tuesday, we uh, got another visit from the doctor. And, uh, and he told us that the test had come back uh, and the tumor was an adenocarcinoid. 
um, which is lung cancer. In fact, it's the most common type of lung cancer. It is non-small cell uh, cancer, which to me it would be easier to just say large cell uh, cancer, but no, non-small cell cancer. Um, that's the bad news, is that it, uh, it was malignant. Uh, the good news, of which there is plenty, is that uh, none of the lymph nodes showed any signs of cancer. None of them tested positive for, for any cancer cells. Uh, the doctor thinks that the reason why they were looking kind of funky is because the um, their, their, their blood supply uh, was actually getting choked off by the size of the tumor. Um, no cancer cells were detected outside of the lining of her lung. Apparently there were some cells that had gotten into the lining of her lung in that lobe that was removed, but uh, nothing on the outside uh, of the lung. So... That's very, very good news. Um, because of the size of the tumor, they want her to have chemo and radiation, just to make sure that uh, that they got all of the, the cells. Um, that's the bad news. <laughs> but the good news is they, they really see this as more of a precautionary uh, note than anything else. They, they do believe that they got everything but they just want to make sure. So, um, Missy, by the way, is is uh, handling this very positively. It sucks that uh, she's going to have to go through chemo and radiation, but it is, uh, listen, it is far from the worst diagnosis that we could have gotten, and we are aware of that. Um, in some ways, I, I think that people think that we should be reacting um worse than we are <laughs> because I think we're both trying to keep in mind that you know I told her uh, when she was still in the hospital I said you know we have throughout this process we've never gotten the best news possible right it's not like oh it's just cotton candy that got stuck in your lung it's no big deal but we've also never gotten the worst news possible uh, what we've gotten is I think what we can handle and I'm going to keep that attitude going forward. I hope that Missy is able to keep that attitude going forward as well. So uh, we're not quite done with this um, this illness and this issue quite yet. Um, but we are into a, a new phase and a new chapter. And, uh, and again, we'll be keeping you all updated. And Missy, as soon as she is... Uh, up to it and awake. If it's not on this episode, I know she'll be back next week uh, talking about what's going on. So that is the update on uh, everything with Miss E. When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we've got some more updates from the farm as well as some uh, stories that have piqued my interest. I had to distract myself somehow when I was in the hospital uh, waiting uh, there in the room with Miss E as she's sleeping. So I, I have found some kind of interesting stories from uh, around the interwebs this week. We'll talk about those as well. And we have lots of communications from you to get to. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. Miss E is at Corny Goat Farm. Uh, I am at Cam Edwards as well. And this is 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
experts at web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards is your host at the uh, picnic table. (laughs) I feel kind of bad because it is so noisy uh, this morning with all of the critters around. Uh, Thankfully, the goats are not out, so we uh, we shouldn't have to worry too much about the in the background. Although that crow is certainly, the uh, rooster is certainly practicing his crow this morning. We call that rooster crow, by the way, so the crow is crowing. Maybe he'll get better at some point. So while uh, Miss E has been uh, in the hospital, we have muddled through uh, here at at the house. Our oldest daughter has been home for uh, almost two weeks. She's getting ready to leave here in a couple of days, but she has been... Uh, an enormous help just in uh, making sure that, uh, you know, uh, the kids got dinner and there was somebody here at the house when they got home from school and uh, helping out with the homeschooling. Uh, because my schedule has been basically for the past, just as we've talked, um, I, I stayed over a couple of nights uh, in Lynchburg uh, just to make sure that everybody was okay. But at the same time, I also knew that my kids were freaking out at home. So uh, I did a lot of trekking back and forth between Farmville and Lynchburg, which is uh, about an hour uh, between the two, uh, I guess, the town of Farmville and the uh, city of Lynchburg. Um, a lot of treks back and forth and uh, a lot of time on the road, a lot of time in hospitals and then getting home here after dark and walking dogs and uh, making sure everybody was shut up for the night and then collapsing myself so I could get up in the morning and take everybody to school and uh, things like that. As I said, it's it's been a a really long week here on the farm, but um, everybody's good, I gotta say. We finally got some rain. Uh, Not only did we get uh, one day of rain, we actually got two days of rain this week, so it is a remarkable uh, how the grass has gone from brown back to green. I'm hoping that uh, this means maybe we'll see some uh, some really good colors for the, the leaves this fall because they got that sort of last injection of water and uh, precipitation. So it's been uh, it's it's been a nice week as far as the uh, the weather goes. It hasn't been in the 90s. It's been much more seasonable. 
again, uh, probably a good two inches of rain or so over the course of the week. So uh, everything is just looking better and livelier. Everything's kind of perking back up. We've had our uh, neighbor's cattle uh, in our pasture. The Black Angus cattle uh, are running around with, with I, I say Black Angus cattle with one exception. There's one little calf uh, that is white with black spots. I don't know how that one ended up here, but uh, but but it's been kind of fun being able to, uh, to watch the cattle. Pigs are doing great. Uh, goats are doing okay. They're doing good. Uh, our youngest goat, the, the little goat, Toffee, uh, has had a bug bite that is looking kind of gnarly, but uh, we've been treating it with antibiotics and hopefully will not require a house call from our local vet, although if it, uh, if it does, we will make sure that that happens on uh, Monday. We'll keep an eye on it over the weekend. You can hear the chickens in the background. They have been... Uh, you know, I, so I don't blame them because for a while now we've been talking about I need really need to clean out the chicken coop, really need to clean out the chicken coop. I really need to clean out the chicken coop. And in fact, that is the next thing that I'm doing. As soon as we finish this podcast, I'm putting on my dust mask and my gloves and my crummy clothes and we're going to clean the chicken coop because the chickens have decided to start protesting. They are not laying their eggs in the coop. Um, we have found eggs in our... Uh, cold boxes or cold frame boxes, <laughs> eggs in the goat enclosure where we keep the, where we put their alfalfa. Uh, and I saw one yesterday, just uh, an egg, just a lonely blue egg uh, in the middle of the chicken's yard. So they have clearly decided to send us a message by uh, not laying eggs in the coop anymore. Uh, and I've gotten that message. I have received it loud and clear. So... I will be on uh, Chicken Poop Patrol shortly after we conclude this podcast, and uh, and that'll be my uh, my chore for the day. It, it I haven't had you know I had this <laughs> I had these grand expectations last week of okay well everything will be fine you know and I can uh, hang out here at the house and I can get caught up on my honey do list and then I'll be able to you know spend time with uh, Miss E and get everything done. Yeah, now that hasn't happened. Uh, Miss E had the expectation of oh you know what when I'm in the hospital and I'm bored I'll just be able to knit. And I'll be able to uh, to read and catch up. Yeah, that that expectation really wasn't met either. Uh, Missy has wanted to sleep. Uh, Missy has not wanted to uh, knit because of the the pain and the discomfort. She hasn't really had the. Uh, uh, desire the attention span to read because when she was in the hospital, you know, she was pretty doped up. And so there'd be moments of lucidity uh, and then she would just fall asleep. Uh, since she's been home, it has been, um, I'd say, a much more normal routine, although she has not yet picked up her knitting. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, she's getting back to a, a normal routine. But all of the all of the things that we thought we would be able to do, <laughs> we weren't able to do any of them uh, this week. So I am hoping uh, that this weekend I will have the opportunity. Actually, today going to have the opportunity while my oldest daughter is still here, uh, she can keep an eye on on Missy while I tackle the coop. Uh, and then uh, really need to like start to move everybody. We're getting into the time of year where so getting ready to move them to their winter quarters. Um, I just got now it's a matter of kind of figuring out where we're going to put everybody and, and overwinter them. The hogs have uh, cleared out their jungle-like area, and we've got a little bit more that we could uh, move them to, but. Um, I haven't quite figured out where they're going to go yet. The goats 
uh, are also going to get moved. There are right now the goats are in this enclosure that's uh, probably, I don't know, it's 400 f- uh, feet of electro net. Um, so they've got a, a really good open space. Maybe it's 600 feet uh, of electro net. Anyway, they've got a really good space. They've just cleared it out. So we can uh, move them to another pasture that's sort of a contiguous pasture. Uh, we've They've been there before. They were there, I think, actually last winter. Most of the trees have recovered uh, from their eating Last year, they, they, you know, the goats love bark. So uh, the cypress tree, there was a huge cypress tree that was back there. That, uh, I don't know, that they might have actually killed that one off uh, just by eating the bark. But then we've got some black walnut. We've got, obviously, a lot of locust trees. They are the uh, dominant species on our farm right now, of trees anyway. So we'll probably move the goats back over there, let them uh, uh, clean up that area one more time. Uh, over the winter. And then, actually, last winter we had them. I take that back. I, I thought we had them in this back pasture. But no, last year we actually put them where our garden was. Uh, and that was where they overwintered. And, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that might actually be the place to put them again because <clears throat> haven't had much of a garden this year, right? Uh, although, I will say this, uh, we are still getting peppers from uh, the pepper plants. As a matter of fact, I picked almost a pack of peppers to pickle. Uh, won't be saying that five times fast. Uh, earlier this week, a lot of habaneros, um, I think some ghost peppers uh, were also in the uh, the mix there. But uh, right now, the, the habaneros seem to be coming along. And something is getting the Hungarian cheese peppers that we have. So this is, as Missy has, has warned, this is going to be a potent batch of hot sauce that she'll be brewing up here before long. Um, other than that, it's been, a uh, again, a, a, a relatively quiet week, which is... I have to say it's really good because when we've been dealing with so much chaos uh, and so much uncertainty off the farm, it's nice to have things just kind of settle down uh, and run the way they should here on the 40 acres. Yes, Crow the Rooster agrees with me, don't you, Crow? All right, we're going to step away for uh, another minute or two, but we do have more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, David in Ontario, California, writing in, says, Hello, Cam, Miss E, and family. I've been listening to Cam and Company this week. It's weird to hear you calling in. Yeah, I know. It is weird to call into my own show, but there's been... There's been so much going on in the world, frankly, uh, that I just I haven't wanted to take 
uh, time off. You know, my intention actually was to not. I didn't take a summer vacation. Uh, I wanted to keep working through the election. I figured I'd have time to, uh, you know, take a few days for, for vacation after the election was over. But I just wanted to, in the uh, words of Hillary Clinton, power through uh, through Election Day. And I, I'm really glad, actually, that I've been able to call in. Uh, to Cam and Company most days. I think four out of five days that I've uh, taken off, I've been able to actually join the show the day that Missy e came home from the hospital. Uh, I did not. Uh, it was not about to tell Missy, e, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I'll be right back. I'm just going to call into the program that I'm taking off today. I, I figured she's been really understanding. That probably would have been a, a bridge too far. David says, uh, Missy, e, don't push yourself too hard. Before you know it, you'll be back to your normal self. You're right, David. You are you are right. And she is not pushing herself too hard. She is listening to her body. She is um, she's pushing herself, but she's also uh, recognizing when she has to stop pushing herself. Uh, Jason writing in as well with uh, his best wishes. Rob uh, wondering how I am holding up. He says, I know Miss E is home now. What about you? What's going on with you? Are you okay? <laughs> I am. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm okay, Rob. I, I appreciate that. Um, I was actually able to uh, to get together with a friend last night and just sort of uh, vent everything and uh, get it out. But uh, yeah, I'm doing okay, and you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna get through this uh, as a family. We're gonna get through this uh, as a as a broader community here. Uh, you know, if 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 you are uh, concerned about Missy, um, I'm here to tell you we will get through it, and we'll get through it together. And it is probably got to be full of some surprising twists and turns along the way, but uh, but we'll deal with it, and we'll deal with those challenges as they come. Uh, but thank you, Rob, for, for thinking about uh, uh, me as well as Missy. E. Also, uh, Tiffany riding in with uh, her best wishes. She says, oh, Missy e is recovering well and is comfortable. Uh, she is, actually. She's surprisingly comfortable, Tiffany. That uh, was really, uh, again, watching her in the hospital. Um, in pain and with, you know, she comes out of surgery and there's just so many tubes hooked up to her and EKG leads and she looked, I mean, she looked like a cyborg. Um, and every day a, a, a tube would disappear, the oxygen came off, uh, her chest tube, one of her chest tubes came out, the second one came out, the uh, uh, IV got removed and she started to look more and more like herself. But she was still in a lot of pain. She still wasn't sleeping well. And the day before she came home, actually, I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, they're going to get ready to, to release her. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that she's ready. And I'm not sure that I'm, I'm ready to, to handle this. Like, she's getting constant care from, from nurses. And then all of a sudden, I got I to gotta be the one. I'm not sure that I'm ready for this. Since she has been home, I think just being in this environment has helped out. Uh, an enormous amount. So she is, uh, as I said, she's sleeping. Um, last night, I think she slept for probably a good five or six hours uh, at one stretch and napping during the day and just taking it easy. And uh, and she, she is comfortable. She's not in as nearly as much pain as 
I thought she was going to be. And so I should actually mention this because there are, if God forbid you ever find yourself in a similar situation, um, there are two types of surgeries that can be performed when you have to have a lobectomy. There is the more traditional crack your chest open, um, go in through the, the chest wall, the chest cavity, and then there's a procedure called VATS, uh, which is video-assisted thoracic surgery. Uh, that is a um, much smaller incision. It's made on the side. There is apparently a much shorter recovery time. Um, you can start driving again after a couple of weeks. So when we went in, we were told, you know, the recovery time is going to be six weeks or so, uh, six to eight weeks, get ready. Missy um, ended up having the VATS procedure done. And again, it's been a week, as, as I'm recording this, it's been a week, actually a little bit less than a week, just in terms of the hours uh, since she has had her surgery. And I would have thought she was probably three weeks into her recovery by now. Uh, that's how quickly her recovery has gone. So, again, I hope none of you ever find yourself in a similar situation. Um, but if you do find yourself uh, in a similar situation, make sure that you ask your surgeon uh, if VATS is a an option uh, for your surgery because it, it looks like the, the uh, pain is considerably less. The recovery time uh, is also considerably less. It, it looks like it is just a better option all around when it can be performed. And there are obviously sometimes limitations that would uh, preclude VATS from being done. But Again, if you ever find yourself in this uh, in this situation, uh, ask and see if that is an option. Um, so again, thank you for all of the emails. I know that uh, Missy has been also getting a, a ton of comments on uh, the Instagram account at uh, Corny Goat Farm. As I said, I uh, have been trying to do some reading just to stay up with the world and to kind of distract myself a little bit this week. So I, I found a couple of things, you know, I'm still not back on uh, social media right now. And every, every time I think to myself, okay, you know what? I, I really have to get back on social media. Um, actually, I guess I'm still on Instagram. So by social media, I guess I mean Facebook and Twitter. Every time I think, all right, I'm going to get back on. Something happens, or I see a story, and I think, you know, I f why am I going back? Am I going back for the right reasons? Am I going back because I want to go back? Am I going back because I, I, I think that I can make a positive contribution to those communities? Or am I going back because I think that, ah, crap, you know, I've got a show on NRA News. Um, I've got a show on SiriusXM. I've got this podcast. I'm a brand. I'm a personality. I need to be promoting my brand. And I keep going back to number two. I keep thinking that I'm the reason why I'm going back to social media is because I'm a brand and I got to promote my brand. And you know what? Forget that. Almost said something else. Forget that. That's not why I want to do it. So if and when I go back to social media, I want to make sure it's for the right reasons. Um, Andrew Sullivan, who is a blogger and has said, like pretty much every blogger out there, I suppose, um, awful things uh, about, uh, particularly about uh, the Palin family. Um, he was uh, he was the one who moved like next door to Sarah Palin, I think, uh, to to do some writing. Um, not one of my favorite writers, but he he has a piece at uh, New York Magazine, which is ironically enough not one of my favorite magazines. Uh, I used to be a human being. So Andrew Sullivan quit blogging, uh, I think it was last year, 
He said for a decade and a half, he had been a web obsessive, publishing blog posts multiple times a day, seven days a week, ultimately corralling a team that curated the web every 20 minutes during peak hours. Every morning, he says, began with a full immersion in the stream of internet consciousness and news, jumping from site to site, tweet to tweet, breaking news story to oddest take, scanning countless images and videos, catching up with multiple memes. Throughout the day, he says, I'd cough up an insider, an argument, or a joke about what had just occurred or what was happening right now. At times, he says, as events took over, I'd spend weeks manically grabbing every tiny scrap of a developing story in order to fuse them into a narrative in real time. He says, I was in an unending dialogue with readers who were uh, caviling, praising, booing, correcting. My brain had never been so occupied so insistently by so many different subjects and in so public a way for so long. And this is, I I suspect... um, how many of us actually consume our media? Uh, you know, Andrew was a creator, and, and I suppose is a creator of content uh, as well as a consumer of content. But you know, again, that can be said about more and more of us uh, these days as well. So I think that what Andrew described is is not that uncommon for those of us who um, who work online, who spend our time online, who are news junkies. Uh, that certainly rang true to me. I, I you know, I have uh, much the same process every day when I am uh, doing research and, you know, getting ready for uh, for Cam and Company each and every day. I mean, it's a constant rotation of uh, news sites and tweets and social media posts and, you know, law review articles and uh, court opinions. But there's always something. I'm always engaged with something. And uh, eventually, Andrew Sullivan got burnt out and uh, he, he quit blogging. Uh, he ended up going to, I thought this was interesting. So he ended up going to a, a basically a meditation center, uh, where he was silent, um, for, I think it was like a week and a half. Uh, he said, um, he said, I decided after 15 years to live in reality. Uh, and he said, he, he said, I realized that I had been engaging like most addicts in a form of denial, I had long treated my online life as a supplement to my real life, an add-on, as it were. Yes, he says, I spent many hours communicating with others as a disembodied voice, but my real life and my body were still here. And then I began to realize, as my health and my happiness deteriorated, that this was not a both-in-kind of situation. It was either or. Every hour I spent online was not spent in the physical world. Every minute I was engrossed in a virtual interaction, I was not involved in a human encounter. Every second absorbed in some trivia was a second less for any form of reflection or calm or spirituality. Multitasking was a mirage, he says. This was a zero-sum question. I either lived as a voice online or I lived as a human being in the world that humans had lived in since the beginning of time. And so, he says, after 15 years, he decided to live in reality. Now, I understand what Andrew Sullivan is saying. On the other hand, I married a woman who I met online. I fell in love with her before I ever met her in person. I was in love with her by the first time I saw her face. It wasn't even love at first sight. It was love at pre-sight. I have developed really close and genuine friendships uh, online with people who, in some cases, uh, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting in person. In other cases, I have yet to meet them in person. Uh, Rob in Southern California, who has been uh, watching Cam and Company for, I think, since the beginning, for over a decade now. I don't know how many emails Rob and I have exchanged. I consider Rob to be a friend. Uh, I know uh, more about Rob's life and Rob's background now than I, I did you know, even five or six years ago, Rob knows more about mine. Um, but Rob and I have never met. 
I hope that we do one day, but that doesn't make uh, our friendship any less genuine. So I, I disagree with the idea that all uh, interactions and all communications and all relationships online uh, are, are um, a digression from and are something less than a human encounter. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's easy for us to think that somehow when we're online, the rules don't apply, that these aren't actually human interactions. But that's the thing. When Andrew Sullivan, every troll that Andrew Sullivan was interacting with, every time Andrew Sullivan had tried to uh, decide that he was going to troll somebody else, he was interacting with real human beings. He was having those human connections and those human interactions. It was just through a digital medium, right? So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sold on that idea that, uh, well, it's the, uh, what Malcolm uh, McLaren, Marshall McLuhan, there you go, Marshall McLuhan said, the medium is the message. Well, if the medium is the message and the, the, the medium that we're talking about is social media, uh, the message that Andrew Sullivan seems to uh, think the, the media puts out is that um, we can't be human to one another. I, and I don't think that's quite it. Um, the medium of social media, the, the, the messages will almost inevitably be uh, rather simplistic, right? Because you have to edit and condense your thoughts down to 140 characters on Twitter or maybe a paragraph or two on Facebook. Uh, they have to be snarky. They have to be uh, – you need to try to be witty. Um there, there are. I, I won't disagree that there are a lot of uh, surface uh, and simplistic uh, messages, but I, I think you can also get beyond that to the real people who are communicating with you. It's just that in so many cases, a we don't want to uh, get to the the human being behind the, uh, the 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 tweets, particularly when we're dealing with trolls and. Two, you have to be cognizant of that. You have to be aware of that, that, oh, yeah, you know what? This is a different medium from writing an email or from watching TV or watching a movie or reading a book or a newspaper. It's a different medium. But I'm still dealing with and interacting with flesh and blood human beings. And unless you have that thought and unless you um, make that maybe sort of a, a conscious part of your interaction then it's easy to uh, just be one of the bleepers of the internet. I'll, you know, try to keep it family friendly. Uh, so that's actually one of the things that I've been thinking about as I as I ponder my return to social media. Uh, this piece by Andrew Sullivan. Uh, again, uh, it, it, I just read a little bit uh, of it, but it's it's worth reading the whole thing, even if you don't particularly care for Andrew Sullivan. I thought this may have been the best thing that he wrote. I don't agree, again, with all of his uh, assumptions and assertions, but uh, I used to be a human being at New York Magazine. Well worth a read. All right. When we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we've got some other things that have piqued my interest and uh, more of your thoughts as well. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The Lawrence. 
Lawrence Jones Show. If you want to criticize the president for having radical ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, that's fair game. But to suggest that he was born somewhere else when we have all this evidence to suggest otherwise is insane to me. And it's a waste of time. Those are the political games that I'm kind of sick and tired of. We focus on the dumb stuff. Okay, guys? All right? That's my issue. Can I just be honest with you? The Lawrence Jones Show. Saturdays at noon Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming to you surrounded, literally surrounded by hens right now. It's a uh, weird studio audience. It's 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards with you. And, you know, we have more good news, actually, uh, to tell you about. Um, Robin wrote in. And uh, Robin has been looking for a job. You know, Robin actually found a job. I am so happy that uh, Robin is working again uh, there in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, I just think that's fantastic, Robin. So thank you and congratulations. I'm still keeping you in our thoughts and our prayers. Um, let's see. Michael wrote in as well. Says, I'm a regular listener to Gannery Cam and Company. My girlfriend Lindsay and I have been dedicated listeners to 40 Acres and a Fool for close to a year now. We save up episodes for a few weeks at a time so we can listen together during road trips from our home in Asheville, North Carolina to all points around the region. You know, Michael, I'm just throwing it out there, but uh, Asheville is not too horribly far. I mean, it's, it's probably a good five or six hours from uh, Farmville. I've actually wanted to get to Asheville, uh, North Carolina, for a visit because I've heard it's absolutely beautiful. I've seen pictures. looks amazing. Uh, maybe uh, at some point later in the future, uh, I don't know, maybe we can find some some sort of uh, uh, gathering point. We need to have some sort of, uh, you know, 40 acres and a fool get-together, I think, at, at some point. Uh, Michael says, when I went to Korea for a month with my Army Reserve unit, I was not allowed to listen to the podcast. Not from the Army, mind you, from his girlfriend. So the episodes could be saved to listen to together. Uh, Michael says, we don't have acreage, but we do have our own budding plant and animal projects as I'm trying to nurse along some hop vines and various herbs in a patio garden. And now we have a puppy who needs nursing, too, because she sadly had her jaw broken when bitten by a friend's bigger dog the night that we brought her home. Oh, my gosh. Michael says, we were so sad to hear about Missy's health troubles, and we think about and pray for her regularly. Lindsay follows her Instagram very closely and can't say enough about all the incredible stuff that she's continued to do, uh, even after the original diagnosis of pneumonia. We can't wait to hear more episodes. We hope to make it up near Farmville soon. If and when you do, Michael, you need to let me know, all right, because uh, I would love to see you. Uh, Lena in, in Nampa, Idaho, writing in as well, uh, wishing Miss E. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Also, uh, Jim and Carol uh, writing in, and thank you for that. Uh, Jeff in Canastota, New York, said, uh, I wish you and your family the best. My prayers from my family to yours as Missy recovers from her surgery. I think that uh, when Missy recovers, the both of you should drink wine during future podcasts. It will really make the podcast even better. Jeff, you are not the only one to uh, talk about uh, and, and to suggest the fact that, that perhaps we need a uh, slightly schnockered 40 acres and a fool. 
And that that can happen. That can happen. Uh, Cheryl Blazik also wrote in and says uh, she, too, is wishing Missy uh, the very best. She says, I fully admit that I've been living vicariously through your podcasts. I grew up on a farm in northwest Ohio, and I couldn't wait to get to the big city. I moved to Columbus in the mid-'80s, and I've spent most of that time trying to return to a rural life. I'd love to hear about the adventures of the Houdini goats, hogs disguised as dogs, and other goings-on at the farm. I know when I listen to your podcast, I will hear something that will make me smile and remember a similar incident when I was young. Cheryl says, my husband and I are on the cusp of becoming empty nesters, and we are planning on buying a small parcel where we could live out our later years in a semi-rural lifestyle, looking for a place that's small enough for us to manage, but large enough for a couple of gardens, a woodworking shop for him, and space for fiber and soap-making supplies for me. Until that time comes, Cheryl says, we have converted about a third of our backyard uh, into raised beds for vegetables, berries, and herbs. It's not a farm, but it's as close as we can get for urban dwellers. And again, it's amazing what you can do in a backyard. Cheryl. Uh, like Miss E, Cheryl is a knitter. She says, I work with a local yarn seller as a dyer, and I also spin yarn. I have two spinning wheels, and I love the ability to go from sheep to shawl or hat or mittens or sweaters. Some call me crazy, but I love the animal smell of a freshly shorn fleece. It somehow keeps me connected to my farming roots. That is awesome, Cheryl. That is so cool. This is something, by the way, that Miss E uh, would love to get into at some point. In fact, she actually bought a fleece at one point uh, with the intent of turning that into her own yarn. It uh, it, it never happened, unfortunately. But uh, in the future, that is something that she would love to do. Uh, Cheryl says, uh, when Miss E is up for uh, knitting something uh, made just for her, I would love to send along a custom-dyed skein of my yarn. Cheryl, I will uh, email you, and uh, thank you very much for that offer. I, I know that Miss E... Uh, would love that as well. Also, Pat uh, wrote in, My husband and I have been listening to you since the first podcast, thanks to my catching a heads up on the Blaze Radio. Over the weeks, I've wanted to email you, formulated the stories in my head of our exploits in our acre and a half with growing poultry, fruit, and vegetables. As I'm legally blind, my dear husband Doug gets to take care of animals, garden, work three jobs, and send emails for me. And guess where my emails land on the priority list, right? She says, This one you will get, because I need to share my story with you. Pat writes, I too am 10 years older than my husband. I also had a son from a previous marriage. When we had been dating for five months, a breast exam showed a lump. A mammogram showed multicentric tumors, meaning it looked like I was hit with buckshot and the whole thing needed to go. People sort of teeheed about our relationship before, but now they darkly predicted that Doug probably wouldn't stay with me post-surgery. He was only 24. So I should prepare myself accordingly. Well... Pat says, contrary to general consensus, Doug stayed. I survived. And Doug must have decided that he loved me with or without my boob. Lucky me, Pat says. This year we celebrate our 25th anniversary. Two sons, 38 and 23, no grandkids yet. Lots of life behind us and hopefully lots ahead of us. I've had other life-threatening health issues, Pat says, but I live to tell the tale. You just keep going until you can't go anymore. Is it frightening? Yes. You pray hard. You smile, you laugh, you cry, and you keep going. Sometimes there's a new normal, whether it's surgeries, blindness, but you stabilize and you carry on. People say that we're so strong. No, Pat says, we just don't like the alternative. What do you do? Lay down? No. Your own faith in God and the multitudinous prayers of others will carry you. Live a lot, learn a lot indeed, says Pat. Stories of our chickens and turkeys to follow. Hope that Miss E's surgery went well. Uh, with all best wishes, Pat, 
in Ithaca, New York. And Pat, thank you. And Doug, thank you uh, as well. It is fantastic hearing from you. I shared your email with uh, Miss E. Uh, while she was in the hospital recovering, and uh, I got to say, it uh, it really impacted both of us. Um, you all are, I I, I, yeah, I know you don't want to hear it, but you know there are some people, Pat, who when faced with these types of challenges, uh, they don't just keep going, and they they don't adapt to the new normal, and instead it they think, why me? Why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. Uh, it's not right, and they, they, I, I think that it hinders their, not only do I think it hinders their recovery, I, I know that it hinders their ability to enjoy life. You know, we, maybe we have that false, getting back to the Andrew Sullivan piece, maybe we have that sort of false perspective of what life is supposed to be like, because on our friends' Facebook feeds and on our Instagram pages and even on, on Twitter and other social media, it is rare to present uh, our life in its entirety and in all of its complexity. And so we tend to focus on uh, the good stuff. I do this myself. You know, my, my Instagram account, I didn't post any pictures when Missy was in the hospital. There are no hospital pictures. Um, I took some pictures of the, the farm, a, a beautiful sunset the day Missy came home from the hospital. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to post pictures of me sitting in the waiting room or uh, you know, here's what I'm having from the hospital cafeteria for lunch. Like, I, I just, I, I, a, I figured nobody really was interested in that. Uh, but, 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 b, that just really wasn't what I wanted to put out there. So, maybe I should have. Maybe I, maybe I, I, I should have put some of the, uh, the, the, the not so fun stuff that uh, we were going through over the past week online as well, and, and have that. Um, greater perspective but I think that it's easy to think when bad stuff happens to us it's easy to look around and to, to, to see other people and what they are doing on social media and to say well that's not happening to them why is this happening to me this is so unfair life is life is fair I think um, we don't always understand it certainly doesn't mean that every day is the best day ever but uh I, I think at least it has been my perspective and my experience that the lows are always matched with highs. You just have to look for them and you have to be aware of those highs. You have to be aware of the good things. Um, my, my motto in life is, uh, and it may sound kind of simple and insipid, but uh, uh, my motto is every day is its own reward. There is, there is something that we can get out of, of every day that we spend here on Earth, no matter how crappy a day it might be. There is something that we can take from that day, and we can learn from it, we can grow from it, we can become better, we can take something positive uh, from even the worst day. And some days are easier than others to, uh, to, uh, to really follow that motto, but... Um, but it is something I try to do on a uh, on a regular basis. Um, one other uh, story that I wanted to get to, kind of going along with uh, the Andrew Sullivan piece, uh, Nassim Nicholas Tlaib, who uh, who wrote The Black Swan uh, and several other books. Uh, the Black Swan is the one that I've actually read. I uh, had a piece in Medium this week, The Intellectual Yet Idiot. Uh, and he, he says, um, 
what we've been seeing worldwide, from India to the UK to the US, is the rebellion against the inner circle of no skin in the game policymaking, quote unquote, clerks and journalist insiders. That class of paternalistic semi-intellectual experts with some Ivy League, Oxford, Cambridge, or similar label-driven education who are telling the rest of us, one, what to do, two, what to eat, three, how to speak, four, how to think, and five, who to vote for. He says the problem is the one-eyed following the blind. The self-described members of the intelligentsia can't find a coconut in Coconut Island, meaning they aren't intelligent enough to define intelligence. Uh, Hence fall into circularities, but their main skill is capacity to pass exams written by people like them. Um, with psychology papers, he says, replicating less than 40%, a dietary advice reversing after 30 years of fat phobia, macroeconomic analysis working worse than astrology, the appointment of Bernanke, who was less than clueless on the risks and pharmaceutical trials replicating at best only one-third of the time. People are perfectly entitled to rely on their own ancestral instinct and listen to their grandmothers or Montaigne and such filtered classical knowledge with a better track record than these policy-making goons. A better track record. A better track record. All of these experts, all of these supposed uh, members of the smart set who want to tell you how to live your life, who say that you're an awful person for doing what you do that they don't approve of. Talib says, we're better off listening to our grandparents. We're better off listening to the, 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 the timeless voices like Montaigne who can still... Uh, uh, teach us and help us learn what 500 years um, after he wrote his essays. Tlaib says the intellectual yet idiot is a production of modernity, hence has been accelerating since the mid-20th century, to reach its local supremum today, along with the broad category of people without skin in the game who have been invading many walks of life. Why? Simply, in most countries, he writes, the government's role is between five and ten times what it was a century ago, expressed in the percentage of GDP. The intellectual yet idiot seems ubiquitous in in our lives, but is still a small minority and is rarely seen outside of specialized outlets, think tanks, the media, and universities. Most people have proper jobs, and there are not many openings for the intellectual yet idiot. He says, beware the semi-erudite who thinks that he is an erudite. He fails to naturally detect sophistry. Uh, The intellectual yet idiot, Tlaib writes, pathologizes others for doing things he doesn't understand without ever realizing it is his understanding that may be limited. He thinks people should act accordingly to their best interests, and he knows their interests, particularly if they are rednecks or English non-crisp vowel class who voted for Brexit. When plebeians do something that makes no sense to them, but uh, do something that makes sense to them, but not to him, the intellectual yet idiot uses the term uneducated, what we generally call participation in the political process he calls by two distinct designations, democracy when it fits the intellectual yet idiot, and populism when the plebeians dare vote in a way which contradicts his preferences. Uh, there, there's more to this, but again, I, you know, it strikes me again that uh, this phenomenon that Tlaib describes, the intellectual yet idiot, those who have no skin in the game of your life, but yet can tell you what to do with your life and how you are failing and how you should be more like them. It seems to me that that does kind of go hand in hand with what Andrew Sullivan was talking about, because I think Andrew Sullivan has been one of those guys. I I think that uh, it's very common for the columnists, uh, for the bloggers, for the talk show hosts to fall into this category of being the intellectual 
yet idiot, <laughs> uh, where, you know, we, we take our own experiences and we take our knowledge and then we extrapolate that to, well, this is how everybody else must be. I'd like to think that as small C conservatives or conservatarians, there are, uh, some of us who, who say, well, listen, this is what's right for me, but you go be you, you go do your own thing. Uh, more broadly, however, we, uh, we don't live in a culture that uh, says you be you, right? We live right now in a culture that says you be you as long as we approve of who you are. And if we don't approve of who you are, you don't be you, you be us. Because if you're not us, then you're an other and we'll destroy you. Right. I mean, that's sort of the the cultural world that we live in right now. Uh, And that is, uh, I think, what the maybe the best definition or the best way, the best sign that somebody or something uh, belongs to the intellectual yet idiot class. uh, If they are not content to let you be you, but instead decide we have to tell you how to run your life, we have to manage your life and we have to shame you for living in a way that we don't find acceptable. Uh, anyway, the entire piece by uh, uh, Nicholas Talib is uh, really good. It's at medium.com. Actually, it makes me want to go back and uh, reread Black Swan uh, and a couple of other uh, of his books. He says, by the way, this is just another piece. i, I, I got to share this. It's a great piece at medium.com. Uh, the intellectual yet uh, idiot has been wrong historically, he writes, on Stalinism, Maoism, GMOs, Iraq, Libya, Syria, lobotomies, urban planning, low-carbohydrate diets, gym machines, behaviorism, trans fats, Freudianism, portfolio theory, linear regression, Gaussianism, Salafilism, dynamic stochastic equilibrium modeling housing project selfish gene Bernie Madoff pre-blow up in p-values but he is convinced that his current position is right yeah again within the uh, intellectual yet uh, idiot uh, 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 tribe there is not a lot of self uh, criticism which is uh, or if there is self criticism uh, it is only the type of self-criticism that comes, again, from external forces, uh, forcing you to reevaluate what it is that you have said and what it, what it is that you have done that has offended the, uh, the larger group or the larger tribe and why you must uh, base yourself and uh, uh, show uh, your sorrow and your regret for doing such things uh, and what will you do for your penance. That's, that's the only type of uh, self-criticism that uh, that we really see from that that uh, intellectual yet idiot class. Um, I I just I, I like to think of myself as just a fool, <laughs> right? I mean, the name of the show is Forty Acres and a Fool. Um, I am perfectly content to acknowledge I don't know everything. In fact, I am perfectly content to acknowledge. Uh, in the words of Ben Folds, "The more you know, the more you know you don't know." Bleep. Um, but that's part of what life is about, right? It's about living a little, learning a lot, being safe and having fun. And I hope that you do all of those things this week. In fact, again, don't just live a little. Live a lot this week. Learn a lot this week. Be safe and definitely have fun. And we will see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.